Welcome, friends. Lost Guy here with basically a podcast with Verbalocity. I'm getting tagged. This is like number four now. I think number three, number four, including mm. the first one. Number a lot. I don't. Number a lot. No, I don't know anymore. There you go. But um, yeah, you're here often. So is John. Probably gonna get Jack. Certain people are gonna be here often, as I uh, eventually we'll get more and more guests. But as as we go, same people. But what it does is familiarity with talking to people, and we just talk about topics. And if you like these people, you get more of these people. There and go. there's one big topic of the week, and that's Gamescom. A lot of things came out of it. Some big, some small. But a lot of stuff came out of it nonetheless. Like, there was a couple of conferences. It wasn't E3 by all means, but there was still some pretty important things that came out of it. Mainly to do with console releases and then some weird events that happened during it. Yep. So I am going to let Verbal take the helm on uh, on the topics because he watched all of them. I... I skimmed and footnoted a lot of it, so... Yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of Twitter and whatnot, I imagine. That's what I did with yeah. some one or two events here and there, but the first one I want to talk about, and this is going to be more of a negative light to an extent, is even though someone who is heavily into Xbox, the Xbox conference... Oh, you know that Twitch emote, the BTTV one, ha-ha, the one with the dude, like, cringing? Yeah. I'm not a person who uses that emote, but I was so close to spamming that due to this conference, there was some things in that that just absolutely horrible. Uh, Colin Moriarty, uh, X, kind of funny, you know who he is? Um, he's one of the guys there. He doesn't do video game merch anymore, but he tweeted about it, saying, this, um, let me actually try and pull up the tweet, it'll be, it'll be a bit hard, but TLDR of it basically was, this is video games right now, in a nutshell, none of it positive. It was forced excitement, trailers we've already seen, one or two new things, and big upping announces and pre-orders. Like, they did a whole hype thing for the pre-order guide to the Xbox One X. That was a big thing. Uh, it was like, the countdown to pre-order. And with a console, I can kind of understand that. Because, you know, they can sell out. Yeah. If it was a game, I'd tell them to jog on. But even then, the way they did it in this was a bit dodgy. They had some presenters on there as well. They had um, Graham Boyd, who's a, an Xbox you know, long-stander. Almost as long as, like, Manager Nelson. Hmm. They had... A German woman with blue hair, who I unfortunately do not remember her name, but the big one was Julia Hardy for me. Julia Hardy, great technology presenter when at times, but this one in particular, she came off a bit, and she's big into games, I, I preface this. It came off a bit forced and a bit overdone. She kind of, it felt like she was up playing up the bantery, slightly cringy f female stereotype that you sometimes see when it comes to video game shows. Oh. Kind of like oh. what happens if you talk to your parents about video games, but they were 20 years younger. <laughs> thing. Oh, you know, the eyes glaze over, they just nod and smile and laugh a bit too much, that kind of thing. Yes, oh, that's too bad. Like, the only notes I got from XCOM was, uh, we're 4K'ing everything. Everything's in HD and 4K for the Xbox X name. Now, the X, the, the 4K'ing stuff isn't that bad, because we did get a pretty good archive of it. A uh, game, I think it's Digital Foundry did it. They're a really respected outlet for me. They were able to go into a back room and test out a bunch of the Xbox One Enhanced stuff. Ah. Basically, games that come out in the past and they're being patched for 4K or 60fps. A lot of the titles that said, hey guys, we're 4K 60fpsing them, Microsoft wasn't lying. Those are either native 4K 30fps, native 4K 60fps in the case of some games, like Forza, Damn. or 
checkerboard 4K 60 FPS with some one or two games or dynamic resolution. The case of I think it was Quantum Break. Yeah, that game. If you remember Scarf. Yeah. Do you remember Quantum Break? No one did. Quantum Break. It's uh, that's the one. Was like, what the hell is this thing for many many years? And then it comes out and no. Yeah. One is it story it. like there's a bridge breaking? Like oh now it's a third person cover shooter. Like we thought this was heavy rain with time travel, but no. Yeah. It was a lot. It had a lot of hype, and that's all it had. All it had. Yeah, and that's good news to me about it. It's legit 4K 60 FPS because that or 4K 30 in, in a lot of the games. Because I mean, even 4K 60 FPS is really hard to do right now on uh, with some games on PC unless you crank the settings way down. Yeah. Um. It's. It makes me happy because that means that Microsoft weren't dicking about. Part of my French when they were saying, "Hey, we've got good hardware." We're optimizing well. Here is the console. Go. Now, I know you are mainly in the PC ecosystem with some Nintendo and handheld stuff on the side. So yeah. I wanted to get your sort of impression of it because you have a unique viewpoint on this because you're mainly on PC. You've got a good rig. You do content creation on that kind of thing, including Nintendo. So I imagine sort of big tech inspired graphics and whatnot as the main production you don't really care too much about. It. It's more about the games for you. Yeah, for sure it's more about the games, but people like things that are pretty. They do. It's It's been the thing for ever in the console wars. Like, it's always been the thing like, well, my game's prettier. Mine, mine's the prettier game. Which has always been weird because, you know, there's... Gameplay's kind of important, guys. <laughs> Very important is just how games play and the frame rate on how they look and everything. Like, pre-renders have been such a bad word for a reason, but they get used anyway. They're like, mm. hey, look how cool this game is. And then when you actually get the game, it's like, well, it's not actually as cool looking. It doesn't run as well. But it looked cool when you were hyped up about it, and that's what people use. And so uh, it's always been more of a console thing, I think, because Nintendo never really wanted to compete in the graphics race. It didn't really. It was always Xbox and Sony, they competed, and the big one was, of course, Blu-ray versus HD. Although, I will say, Mario, the recent Mario Kart's Splatoon Zelda look gorgeous. Even if their resolutions aren't massive, their art style makes up for it in spades. Yeah. Like, they look it's, oh, so It's good. always helped that they've never been super realistic, so that they're mm. able to be uh, the way they are. The funniest thing mentioning graphics is this whole hubbub that got, got memed a little bit is about the resolution of Toad's mouth. I think I saw this on Twitter, but I don't know all the details about this. It's because they haven't updated his mouth in literally maybe a decade or so. It's it's only been, like, whatever resolution. And so some guy's like, there's one guy who's really, really up about it. He's like, yeah, Toad's mouth, his resolution has not changed since, like, Mario Party 2 or something. He's like, it's been the same. Because it's just literally three lines. There's your mouth right there, and it's like they don't need a lot of graphical fidelity for that. So little things, go. though. So everyone has a little thing to hook onto in games that if it isn't right, it bothers them. For me, it's smooth animations. Mm. If your game could look horrible, but if the animation quality is great, I'm all over it. And one of the big ones for me, funnily enough, was For Honor. Like, the, and actually, just scratch that. Not For Honor. Ubisoft games in general right now have been employing this weird sort of predicting animation where they predict where you're stepping a couple steps in advance and preload the animation. Oh. So instead of just going, okay, left stick, go left, of course they will do left stick, character moves left. 
people also predict, all right, if he holds in this direction, there's a jump he's going to go down. So get make your character bend slightly to get, like, you're getting ready for the jump. So that kind of, that kind of tech of animation noise gets me. So, but the mouth thing, if you play enough games with Toad in it, eventually the minutiae becomes a big deal. I suppose so. Um, this is a big divergence, but it's, uh, this one guy made a note of, being a father, you watch Frozen like 200 times. After you see something 200 times, you really appreciate every second of that, of something. <laughs> and he just understands the movie from every direction, because like, you think about all these different angles and different character mindsets, and so, when it comes to games, you play it enough times, you notice so many details of things. Mm. And one more digression on movies is, the Lego movies are amazing at doing visual things in the background. Like, if you see Lego Batman, there are so many visual things yeah, going so on. Yeah, so many visual gags. Yeah, and so when a game does stuff like that, it's awesome as well. A recent game that is very smart about it is West of Loathing. If you ever played Kingdom of Loathing, they're very clever in their humor and in the, in the background and everything. That's a browser game you can just play for free, so it's pretty good. But it's like you click on things. But their humor is pretty funny, and there's things like... Uh, if you go to graphical settings, the graphical settings, because it's called West of Loathing, so it's a Western thing. Graphical settings are good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> which cracks me up. And there's, there's oh, cactuses great. throughout all the maps, and you can run into the cactuses and your character gets hurt. And if you run to enough cactuses, you build up calluses because of the cactuses, and so now you have extra HP stat now, because you just kept hurting yourself. That's and there's creative. little clever things like that. Yeah. And with the graphics in general sort of trying to steer back to the original thing, <laughs> while, yes, a lot of this comes down to sort of subjective, less so about performance, there is one thing that can be universally agreed on, that at least that should be, in my opinion, is that if the consoles improve that raises the floor for development. I mean, you could have a PC port of a game on 360, 360 and the uh, last generation consoles, for as good as they looked, the PC ports always weren't that great in comparison because they had to deal with that and then go from there. It takes a lot of work to rebuild the port for current hardware, PC hardware. Yeah. And while also taking into consideration that the other ver the other two, maybe three versions in case of the Nintendo stuff that you had to work on as well. So with that in mind, it's good that we're seeing the sort of half-step bringing in 4K. Hopefully that brings up a lot of ports and makes them at least at minimum better PC ports because then you've got more power to work with. It. There's in theory better, um, what do you call it? In theory better porting consistency, which is the important thing. Because a lot of ports are getting better these days. They aren't. There are still a lot of bad ports, but... Can you think of the last game you played, Scarf, that had a bad port on PC? Well, I, I watch people to make sure I don't buy a bad port. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what Total Biscuit's for. It's specifically True. what he's for, is the port report. It's like, is it a bad yeah. port? Yep, okay. Bought it anyway, probably. But uh, there's a thing where companies are just relying on other on, on fans to make the port fixes, which is very unfortunate. I think maybe Koei Techno Tecmo might be the most egregious at that is that the right word they're the ones who relied mm. on it the most they've relied on someone else fixing it for them but that's usually done in asia not here because they go out there first but then like dark souls is the most famous one mm. dark souls came out it was broken and someone fixed it and like, dark we souls about 2 before. is broken it was fixed dark yes. Souls 3 great port though mm -hmm. uh, you, you hope they learn and some people uh like indie developers what they do is 
they just do two separate developments, which is interesting. But they'll develop for PC and then for the console. And so it's like, that's more work, but they're making sure they have it done from the ground up instead of making it for one, then porting to the other. I think that's how Witcher 3 was done. I think they said they developed both separately. Didn't they? I or they, don't know about or that. Or they personally. developed for PC in, in, in mind and then they I imagine. The I imagine because they were dealing with the regular Xboxes and PS4s, they developed the PC in mind because that's where the series came from. Yeah, like I'm even though to they were, though. yeah, I really wish I could remember that quote because I know what you're talking about. But it's good we're talking about PC specifically because there was a big Microsoft-related announcement that came kind of out of nowhere. Age of Empires oh. Four. People have been wanting that. Like, like okay, okay, E3, E3 is. Age of Empires. Age of Empires? Age of Empires. Age of Empires. Definitive edition. Oh. Like, really? It's like, I don't remember. Quite, oh, do you remember? That reminds me. Do you remember a couple of E3s ago at the Sony conference? It was like, hey, guys, there was a game we made a while ago. Square Enix. It's a fan beloved. Ooh. We're going to be bringing it out on PlayStation 4. Ooh. It's Final Fantasy 15. Ooh. Remaster. Shit. <laughs> it was just come on guys <laughs> don't do this to us i mean eventually they they are now doing a proper remaster of final fantasy 15 i meant to say seven i'm like you mean seven right <laughs> yeah the remastering okay. fifth i mean 15 is coming out on pc so kind of but no seven I'm hyped for that yeah that's gonna they're doing some weird stuff with that like they're allowing mods and it's a conversation it, yeah, that's a whole different thing entirely. But to finish up this conference, there was Age of Empires 4, which some people are saying Bill Gates had a hand in because of a Reddit thread. Someone asked him to make it. He was like, BRB, let me see what I can do. <laughs> Cuphead, more Cuphead is always good. That looks, the game looks great. Not too much into platformers, but I respect the graphics. It looks fantastic. More Forza, more Sea of Thieves, fine. And then the big thing was the Scorpio, uh, Scorpio, the xbox one x scorpio edition which is the day one edition of xbox one x looks fine it has a stand hey <laughs> i mean it was all right i mean there were the at the most notable thing there was the the announcements to do with the backwards not backwards compat the enhancements and age of empires it was a somewhat remarkable unremarkable conference which is a bit unfortunate at least they used the name scorpio at least they used it at least like... yeah but like with fifteen, the the whole modding thing and everything, um, people were joking about nude mods, and then other people were like, "No, no, we're gonna get grease mods and just better <laughs> looking." She's gonna she's gonna be covered in grease because she should be. She's a freaking mechanic. I'm like, yeah. yes, that's true. I think Nintendo, oh, Nintendo Square Enix put out a statement about the adult mods. They said oh, yeah. they basically don't care. And it's up to the player's morality. And that's really interesting to me. I, I know this is going into weird places, but there's that's kind of an interesting middle ground for a company to take on those kind of mods. Because there's half of the scene where you're like, we are going to ban those mods and actively police them, which some companies have done. Then there is the Nier Automata version of the, the, one of the game's main honchos saying, hey, give me your Rule 34 on Twitter, I'll retweet it for you. Yeah. So I can't remember, I think it's Yurosako or something who does that. The one who wears like the moon on his face. Yeah. When he does like E3 presentations. So taking the middle ground of sure, I mean, it's up to you guys. It's not really up to us. It's probably the most appropriate version stance to take, I should yeah. say. It's like, it's at your discretion. While as Overwatch was like, guys, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> Overwatch was, please don't make porn because kids, 
kids and parents like oh they secretly loved it that made that, it so viral it got it's outside on your attention just because of how fast that shit was spreading yeah it's like the the idea is by trying to take a moral point though it's like you're doing right by families because they're like okay they're trying to curb the porn because they don't want kids to see this because kids are going to get into this because it's very pixar yeah and so there you go but by saying please don't you know dang well that through spite people are going to make more so you're winning on both sides here you got the moral high ground and you just can't beat the tide because the tide is what it is and you win blizzard is right by families and even if people are like they're on some crusade to like just make more porn for overwatch they don't want it let's make more overwatch wins because that's more people thinking of overwatch so Blizzard wins. That's that worked out for them very much. With FF15, like your morality going on there is basically saying it's up to you what you want to do with the mod. And I I look at FF15 and nude mods was not my first thought. My first thought was actually nothing at all. I just want to play the game. I'm just gonna play it straight. And then if I mm. want to mess around, sure. Someone's joking about like no, forget forget having Cindy be all this stuff. They're like, they'll have some, whatever guy they like have be the nude mod, or they're in a Speedo the whole time or something. To be fair, most <laughs> of the cast in that car would make fairly good versions. I mean, they, they are good-looking guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of youngins, and then, like, one older-looking guy, and he's, like, the dad of the group. So, yeah. you've, got your, you've got your dad of the group, so you can do what you want with him there. And then there's there's Sid. You can do stuff with her. I like. I just want to play the game. I I didn't even think about nude mods at all, which is weird because I'm a guy who likes girls. Um, I speaking of modifications, one quick thing on Final Fantasy. Did you hear about the crossover DLC that Square Enix is doing again with it with Ubisoft for Final Fantasy 15? Oh yeah, I saw them. Like what the fuck? the Assassin's Creed one. That like, is what? so weird. I want to talk it's... about Pocket after too, but um yeah, this. I was like, Ubisoft is getting around. Ubisoft is getting around now. Now, there is a history for this. Final Fantasy has done Assassin's Creed crossover DLCs in the past for other games. Okay, now but this, this I know. Yeah, they have done it in the past, but that's like costume DLCs. Oh. This is Chocobo Island size. So it's like a full area redone with brand new mechanics from what I understand. There's a full parkour system being introduced yeah, for the Assassin true. Island. And there's like... Like, for instance, I think Prompto, whoever's wearing it, he has a hidden blade, he assassinates people. Like, it's... And there's also stuff from Assassin's Creed Origins in it, too, promoting that release coming up, alongside the yeah. classic Assassin's Creed games. It just has just come out of nowhere. It's so weird. It's like, it is very out of nowhere. Like, the whole thing's out of nowhere, because that wasn't the only out of nowhere, but... What's like, Pocket? Ubisoft is getting around... Okay, the mobile version. I can't remember the actual name of it. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm, have it written I'm, down. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter, but what is it? So it is, from my understanding, it looks like what you're doing is, uh, you're, it's just a phone version of the game, but not, but not the RPG, but like, you're just going on the road and you're just questing is from what my imp impressions of seeing the trailer is. It's you and the three other guys and you go out and you just kill monsters and you gather materials and stuff and you level up and it's just, you're just on your road trip, I guess, is my interpretation from watching the trailer. Is it's just something to play with your phone? Is you just all right, you fight things, and go back to the card. You fight things, go back to the card. There's camping, there's leveling. I think there's there's companionship kind of thing. Is there any crossover with the main game? Like any like bonuses you can bring in, or is it just standalone? I want to assume they'll probably do some sort of cross thing because why wouldn't they? 
And I'm trying mm. to figure out how they're going to make money off of it. Are they going to do like gacha costumes or something? Yeah. That's what I'm you wondering. You're going to buy fuel for the car, otherwise you crash out of the sky and lose your progress. Yeah, there's got to be something because they also have a Art of War version of FF15, which is those are just games that get money off whales really hard. They're yeah, not the most fair games. Like if you wanna, if you understand why people hate microtransactions in console and PC. Look at mobile and understand how bad it can be. Like that's all you got to do. It is hard, and it's creeping in with Shadow of War. Ah. That, that is no is... longer my must buy. It's no longer a must buy for me because of that. I'm not. Have you talked about this before on the cast? Um, with myself, I believe I've only talked to myself about it. Maybe with John, I don't remember anymore. But what yeah, the, we talked about the TLDR of it is: this is a single player RPG. They're adding online tournament play via a Dark Souls style in. Oh, sorry, a Metal Gear Solid invasion system. And lootable, like Overwatch rollable chests that you can pay for with real money. Why? It's like they uh, the multiplayer thing, which no one gives up. Cares no about. one. No one cares about. It's there, so this is a thing. I would assume this game got held. This is very. This could be completely wrong, but my assumption is the game got held back for this mode and for these chests because it had a huge reception before it got delayed a lot of people were just hyped for this game and i will say i will believe it's wb1 hold up we can make more money off this we can make money off all this goodwill you know this this you say that the whole delay thing that brings me back to a video jim sterling did last year to do with deus ex mankind divided there was a he got an anonymous source from the studio apparently this is quite common at the last moment for studios to either at demand you, like there was a, there was microtransactions in Deus Ex Mankind Divided. It was added in the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. That is having played it. It was terrible. And if you bought it, you were overpowered and the game wasn't fun at all. Cause you just, you're mm. God now you're still, yeah. you're, you're God, you're Jesus in this game, but uh, you're, you're cyborg Jesus <laughs> in, in the Deus Ex games. But you were just overpowered, and there you go. Well, you just own everything. So it's really weird with Shadow of War, and I guess it's worth talking again, because god damn it. That's uh, just... It's, it's aggravating, because it's a single-player game. Multiplayer mode is just tacked. It's basically from Metal Gear. It's like, let's do that. Okay. And this is all whale bait. The whole thing is whale bait, because... Although, if there... Sorry, sorry to asterisk that slightly, Scarf. I would... L I actually would really care about this raiding mode that they're adding, if there wasn't microtransactions. Because I did play the the FOB raids in Phantom Phantom Pain, Metal Gear Solid 5, a decent bit, okay. and they were quite fun. Setting up your own place, and this would give some life, this will give some longevity to, alright, I've beaten the game, I've got this finely crafted army of people I care about, if I go into ranked version of this, they could die to another player. Let's hmm. go. And you... There's some cool stuff you could do there, and you could even pit your army against other people's armies by raiding their bases. So that could work, but with microtransactions, you could literally just, alright, $200, buy legendaries, buy legendaries, upgrade them with boosters, screw you! Just shove them right in. Yeah, that's that cheapens it. Because you're right, that could be fun. Like, I'm just, because I'm so angry at that, I'm being shitty to the multiplayer, but it could be fun, you're right. But because your well-crafted army can take on just a bot army, just someone bought the whole thing, it cheapens the whole thing. 
and it's no terrible. Point. It's like, why even bother? And that's very unfortunate because it'd be great to well craft an army. A buddy will craft an army, and you see what goes, what happens there. Now it's like, now some jackass with a lot of money can just do what they want and just ruin whatever with that. It just sucks because. And the the single player defense of it, you save time. You save time by buying these chests with give you better equipment. What? In a single player game, you're not in it to save time. You're in you it to kill time. You can buy the orcs as well, the main point. You can get them out of a chest. It's just, ah, oh, okay. Moving on before I pop a blood vessel from rage. EA, the EA conference scarf, no mm. point even talking about it. It was dull as dishwater. There was FIFA, Madden, Need for Speed Payback, Star Wars Battlefront 2, they were showing off some of the, the, the dogfighting in space, and Sims 4. I mean, Sims 4, they showed off some expansion stuff there, cool, but nothing really, nothing massive there, in my opinion. You can just easily move on from that. What, what I hate about everything with EA, just the bitch about EA for a minute, because it's EA. Sure, um, by means. Sims. The newest Sims gutted so much of the old Sims and made it DLC. Like, there was that gigantic list at release. Of all the things they took out, which became, you have to pay DLC for these things. Oh, I'll just play the old one then. Like, EA does some pretty messed up practices, and it's hard to have love for EA. It really is. And just prefacing, not prefacing, uh, this aside is a difference of companies. We might talk, we're going to talk about this later, but Monster Hunter, and Capcom, Master, Monster Hunter Capcom, yeah. and then EA, anything they do. When it comes to EA, you hear about anything with DLC, you don't feel any positivity about it. You just don't. It doesn't feel good. And EA, with their, like, Battlefronts can have free DLC, you're like, what are the strings? Where are the strings attached? Loot chests. You're like, what's coming? What's the, what's the <laughs> thing there? Because, like, you have, like, what was it Platinum Yoda or Golden Yoda or whatever? You're like, oh, oh Golden no. Yoda. <laughs> oh, no. God, now that, that makes me think of, a, like, a golden-plated Yoda <laughs> from, like, old-school old uh, Call Spaceballs of Duty. Spaceballs Yoda, isn't it? Spaceballs Yoda. <laughs> Wasn't he gold? I can't remember anymore. I haven't watched Spaceballs, but that just sounds hilarious to okay. me. Okay. And so you got that. And then you have Capcom. Capcom has been shady. They've done things where they sell they you a fighting history. game. They sell you a fighting game with the characters on the disc. You still got to pay the DLC for, for the characters, which is so messed up because it's like, we have characters. They're already on there. They're already developed and everything. You got to pay the DLC for them later. It's like, what? That's messed up. That's not good. Capcom's done that a few times. They've done a lot of shady stuff. But Monster Hunter is where they've been an exception. Monster Hunter has done free DLC forever as far as i can remember every monster hunter has dlc and it's a lot of dlc and it's always free so when people heard monster hunter world has free dlc they're like oh it's like no 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 that's fine because it's always been that way this is something you can trust so it's a difference of pedigree and track record where free dlc isn't always a bad word but because of ea it's a very bad word right now yeah and actually side note monster hunt a lot of side notes today uh, a lot of <laughs> Monster Hunter World, that'll be my first Monster Hunter I'm going to play. After Ooh. seeing some of the stuff with that, I wish I got a 3DS earlier, or I even had a 3DS to play some of the old Monster Hunters, because that looks so fun. The hunting horn looks right up my alley. Ooh, I, I used to play anymore. support. Yeah, the, hunter, the hunting okay. horn, the, ga the gameplay in general, like it feels like Evolve, like sort of style of gameplay in terms of hunting a monster, chasing him around the map. Like often in the, mo in the Monster Hunter World demos they showed, and from 
YouTube channel, so I got access to it at Gamescom, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. There were, like, you would chase the monster for a bit, cut off some scales, you get some stuff from it, you do some damage, but it would run off to a nest. So you got to follow it. Luckily, there are scout flies in it now, so you can actually follow it with those, thank God for newbies like me. And then you ch- find it some more, maybe it's got some babies nearby, and you- it's an actual hunt. Uh, how familiar are you- how much do you play Monster Hunter? Have you played? Literally hundreds. Uh, if you combine all the Monster Hunters, literally thousands of hours, because I've played too many Monster Hunters. Ooh, okay. The two newest ones is going to be, like, the last classic one, which will be XX yeah, on the Double Switch. X, which is only in Japan right now. But it they is coming to the Switch. Bring Are they bringing it? They're bringing it still? I've, I heard, I heard okay. the Western release is going to be on the Switch. Okay, but not on the 3DS? No, just Switch. Okay, because I've only been following the 3DS part then. Because I'm like, yeah. well, I want it on 3DS. Because in Japan, then only Japan, apparently, it's going to be cross-platform. We can play on the 3DS and on the Wii um, and on the Switch. That's cool, actually. And that's really cool. And if it's only on the Switch, that disappoints me because three, it's such a nice thing to just be out and about and go on a hunt. Of course, the Switch, you can do that. But 3DS. 3DS. I don't... Ah, really? Okay, I didn't know that part. And I'm the one who's a big fan of Monster Hunter. But uh, I only know about that because I looked up the different games to find out which one I should buy off mm-hmm. Amazon if I want to get a 3DS. Okay. okay. And so having played all the Monster Hunters except two... And whatever the Japanese ones are, I love Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter World, though, is taking some departures from the classic style. Yes. It's like a soft reboot in some extent, from what I understand. So it might be fine, like, for new people to come in. Like, any game's good to come in because the tutorials aren't bad. But uh, the classic Monster Hunter is very rigid, kind of. Not as Dark Souls rigid, but it is a bit rigid in how it's played. It's, it's It's an Eastern game. It will be somewhat rigid. It's a style. It's like you got to draw your weapon to use. You got to put it away to do other things and stuff like that. And I, there's a lot of foraging. There's one uh, about that. I've been looking at a bunch of tutorials, and one of the big things they're adding is all the ranged weapons now in world. You can move and shoot at the same time. That's huge. Even, yeah, that's something that's new. And will be great for me because before, I mean, I've played games in the past where you have to stand your ground to fire. There are yeah. some games, of course, that use that method, but being able Every to move and able. shoot will be make it much more comfortable for me. And even Resident Evil makes it so you can move and shoot now in the, one yeah. of the new, seven. So, I I like some of the changes as, as someone who is brand new and never physically played a Monster Hunter because a lot of it, a lot of it looks appetizing to me. Like, I know the sword and shield might be my beginner weapon until I get a hunter horn because I can use items with that weapon while drawn. So I can, like, guzzle potions and use traps or whatever. There's scout flies now so I can just follow those to get to where I want to go and who, what I want to hunt. Although you have to find some prints first or whatever to actually activate them. Yeah. And you can, you can apparently, I'm not sure how big of a deal this is, I'll judge by your reaction. In camp, you can change up all of your equipment and eat. That's quite a big thing, apparently, eating and getting stat buffs directly from the camp without having to go back to the town, I guess. Yeah, there's so many things. They're just, basically, Monster Hunter World has so many quality of life improvements. And this is what Monster Hunter has done. They've always improved from each game to the next. It just gets better, better and better and better. Like, uh, eating was a new was a new thing at a point, but um, the concept of what am I going with? Oh, so with generations, the big change was multiple different fighting stances because it used to be you only had one fighting stance with double blades. You only had one fighting stance with the axe and this and that. Generations, you have four different stances. You have four different ways you can play. You set it up at the start. 
And the nice thing about Monster Hunter has always been you have this variety of weapons and now you have a variety of stances with each weapon. You have a bunch of things you can do with it. And the big quality of life change now is you can change them at camp. That's really cool. That's such a nice thing. It's like, uh, I would assume there's going to be hunts where you don't know what's out there so that you can adjust. Like mystery hunts. Like that would, if you can adjust at camp, I want to believe there's mystery hunts. That you go out there, you don't know what's out there, you see what's out there, like, I would rather use a hammer on this than maybe the insect clave, or maybe I'd rather use a bow gun or something like that. If I'm fighting a flyer, maybe I'd rather use a bow gun than being with a, than using my axe, something like that. And so being able to do that's really cool. And my understanding is it's drop in, drop out as well. I that is my not sure about that. I don't know because uh, there be wasn't too much that. demonstration of that during the demos. Mm. But yeah, the, I, if, the, if that is the case, cool. If there's drop in, drop out, which I thought there was, now I have to double check. Uh, that means, well, if someone comes in, they have the same weapon, they can change it out. There you go. I do know, I, I was, I know it was mentioned to me, there's 16 man lobby. So I'm wondering what that means. What? So 16 man hunts or just 16 people can mess about? I, that's my thing. I'm thinking 16 people can mess about and they still go on four man hunts. Cause there's no way you can do 16 man hunts unless they're going to do epic hunts. Like they do like raid hunts or something. <laughs> We're hunting this one turtle. Everyone get hammers. Well, there are hunts cause like you're new to it. Um, there are hunts where the beast is gigantic. Like think like Dune, like you're hunting a sandworm. Or EDF. Or EDF. I was. Oh, EDF. Oh, I never played Force. EDF though. I never played yeah, that. I EDF is sort of the closest thing I've played to Monster Hunter when, okay. it, when it comes to the scale and absurdity of it. It's like, all right, there's four of us versus something that is covering the sky. <laughs> and actively, okay, then, yeah. Yeah. Like, in that one, like, when you're hunting uh, the... I can't remember what it's called right now. It's it's basically like a sandworm, but it's a giant... It's a bion cre creature. It's not a sandworm, though. It's like a giant... Is it sinking cities with a giant worm? That's no... Um, oh, do you don't I'm, get the reference off from Gears of War 2? Oh. I don't get it because I never played Gears of War. Rip, That's the problem. Continue. <laughs> but um, it's just this giant creature, and you're on, like, sand boats shooting cannons at it, and then it'll get what? close. You can, you can bind it to your ship for a while with ropes, and so you run on and you attack what? it directly. You're harpooning in the middle of the desert. What is this? Yes. Because <laughs> you're on sand ships, and it's just going through the sand, and you're just fighting it, and you're harpooning it, and you're bringing it closer so that you can fight it up close, and you put dynamite on the dang thing and blow it up, and you actually go for, like, like the back of the head and blow up the back of the head. You're trying to murder this thing pretty hard. Mm. And it's such an epic fight, and it's four people. So if they, if they somehow pull off an epic 16, man, that'd be amazing. There are just gigantic things that you could fight that would be amazing to see in that style. So I don't know, but I'm assuming it's just four mans. It's just everyone can be in a lobby and they four man and there you go. That is my assumption. Uh, we'll see. I just, I like that you can, you can go to camp and change your things out because maybe you just want to do variety. Because the best thing about that game is there are so many different armors. There's so many different weapons. There's a lot to do in Monster Hunter. There's a lot to do. And since we're talking about Monster Hunter so much in this digression, may as well as talk about Dauntless for a moment. Yes, that is picking up hypens on Twitch and various streaming platforms. That's It's a free-to-play from what I understand, and it, it's very much in the similar vein to Monster Hunter. Even some of the mechanics, uh, the charge attack, where you slowly rev back more and more as you prepare to swing. 
Like, I thought that was a thing to do, uh, to just Dauntless. No, Monster Hunter had that before, where you like, eh, 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 swing. So I want to see what they do with Dauntless, because right now it looks very tank and spanky. I mean, I think the Monster Hunter is tank and spank to an extent as well, it, but th- it's hmm. gone. Uh, it's, uh, this is what I like about Monster Hunter. It's your, it's your, it's your style. It's all about your style. Like, okay. Uh, you have you have the lancer who can tank and spank. You have the sword and shield who can do the same thing. They're just wearing a lot of heavy stuff to just stand there, take it, and then fight. That's what you do. But you can also just run around because dual blades ain't gonna stand there. They're not gonna stand around. They're gonna run around and fight. Insect glaive is just buggering about Inse- in the air. Insect glaive is jump around and attack the thing all over the place. I like insect glaive because just running around and just attacking it. You're mounting and all that stuff. Jinx goes with the uh, with the axe like. The, I can't remember what it's called right now. The, the it's an axe that can change. It's the one that can change forms. Charge axe. Yeah, the charge axe. So she does that one, and she'll fight in just different ways. And then when it's time for the big boom, she'll blow it the hell up. And it's now, really fun doing that. But n- neither of us are standing and fighting. We're running around. We're dodging and striking. So that's what I like is you can have someone stand and fight it while other people just attack from the sides, and then you maybe have a gunner or something doing something. But there's just a lot of different styles you can do. And for me and Jinx, it's a lot of hit and run and stun and just bang the thing. While other styles would be, yeah, just stay there. Now, Monster Hunter uses a lot of items, and Dauntless does too, but Dauntless has a class system that's based on the weapon you use. Like, for instance, I know the Axes or Axe Single has a healing aura, I think. They're the, they have dual blades, they have a long sword, but it's all. I'm not, I don't know too much about Dauntless. I've only seen streams here or there, so I apologize to people watching if I'm murdering these facts. But the they have a class system, but it's based on the weapon you use, so it's al- almost a bit Albion Online-y in that regard. Hmm. So there, I can't give my verdict on Dauntless right now because it's an early access. So I want to see what they do with it because comparing brand new IP to established Juggernaut is kind of hard to do. So I'm curiously optimistic about it, but for now, I mean, I'm not too experienced, so I can't give a real opinion on it. At the same time, it's extremely easy to do. In that Monster Hunter exists, why do anything else? That's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. It is, uh, let's see, what do I want to do? Monster Hunter or not Monster Hunter? Because there have been competitors with Monster Hunter. There was Token and Kiwami, which looks nice. Not bad, gets boring. Uh, the other one is God Eater, which is not bad, gets boring. It has an anime. No interest in that anime, but um, it had, like, both of them had some strong suits about them, but they weren't Monster Hunter, because the problem is, to beat, to beat Monster Hunter, they're trying to be Monster Hunter, and you gotta be different enough that they want to play you instead of Monster Hunter. Yeah. Dauntless's big thing was Monster Hunter Online, and now Monster Hunter Online exists. It's coming. And so, I'm worried about Dauntless. I don't know how well they'll do. Like, it's, it's gonna be free, you said? Yeah, I did play. not. I did not get that impression because I thought it was going to be buy-in. But okay, so free to play. That's it's good like it's same thing as Fortnite. They're doing a really long paid yeah. early access period, then they're going free to play on the release. I on marketing side of things this is what I'm worried about for Don't. They're going to be free to play eventually, and they were announced way before Monster Hunter World was a thing. No one knew about it. It's like this is why everyone was like, okay, fight, fight, yeah. fight. fight. <laughs> Dauntless was there. This is well before E3. Dauntless is coming. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone's signing up to, to to get in on this. I signed up. And then Monster Hunter World gets announced and is like, well, Dauntless better hurry the hell up now. 
They need to get out before World does. Who is making Dauntless? Because this could turn into East versus West. Um, Let me find out who's making Dauntless Devel. I'm googling it now. Okay. Dauntless at Phoenix Labs. They're a they software company founded by Tim Leonard and Kim McKellen from Pier Guard. All right, let me let me Wikipedia them. Let me see what I can get out of them. They are. I can't find their. I can't find the link for it. I think these guys are brand new, actually. They're formerly Meth Labs, apparently. <laughs> let me go. To, let me go to their website. That's a very basic website. I actually can't find anything about them. Where they're from? Like the thing is. A good way, a, a thing that what makes indies amazing, what makes indies amazing is they can fill a niche that exists that should not exist. Yeah. Stardew Valley. Monster Hunter, I mean, not Mon Stardew Valley. Harvest Moon should have had an online game for years, and they never did. So Stardew Valley happens, and it, it evolved a bunch of things about Harvest Moon while also being something you play on PC. And so it, that thing exploded, because people have wanted a Harvest Moon for years. Some even over a decade, they've wanted a Harvest Moon on PC. And they finally got it with Stardew Valley, and that just exploded. Because it wasn't just Harvest Moon on, on PC, it was an improvement on Harvest Moon on PC. That worked out. Dauntless, you could argue, is trying to do the same thing. They're being Monster Hunter Online, because there's never been a Monster Hunter Online, at least in the West. They had one in Japan, but not here. And so it was like, well, hell yeah, here we go. And then Monster Hunter World happened. It was like... Shit. Because it's like, this was their niche, this was their thing, and now Monster Hunter World, the thing that they're kind of emulating, is coming. And it's a question of, are they going to do enough special things to be different? Uh, is being free good enough? And being free will help. There was another Monster Hunter-like, though, that was free, and it was from... Uh, Everworld? It was from this other company. They do a lot of MMOs. I can't remember their name right now. And it came and went. I don't remember anything about it now. But it has been attempted. Yeah. So I don't know. Now, I want to... I just realized the time. We've got about 15, 20 minutes left. So I want to cover the rest of the conference quickly. Okay, okay. We then had the Blizzard conference up next. And they did talk about a couple of things. They showed off formally uh, Kel'Thuzad for Heroes of the Storm and that whole thing. Jane is a Dreadlord, blah, blah, blah. That whole <laughs> meme. Uh, there was some stuff with Hearthstone, there was some... The big thing, well, two big things was, one, the Overwatch uh, cinematics, plural, and the Junkertown announcement. Dear God, that is Pixar-level quality stuff right there. That is just <laughs> silly. And, as a side note, the Junkrat Junkertown one was done in Engine, but it looks like a professionally done Gmod thing. It is so good, it's unbelievable, and hilarious. That I love Junkrat now, because yeah. of that short. And the biggest thing, I think, in terms of, like, uh, it meaning to the fans is the new World of Warcraft patch, Shadows Over Argus. It's basically, hey, guess what? We're going to another planet! We're going to the Drain I Hope World to mess people up. That's I don't know too man. much about the lore, but I understand, like, the, uh, the Burning Crusade took over the Drain I Home World, and now you're on spaceships going to the planet. It's like... I thought this was swords and sorcery, guys. What the hell, last time I checked? There's pandas in it. No, it's all weird. And finally, this is I wanted to, why I wanted to hurry over. There's two games I wanted to see you to talk about, because there was two streams from Nintendo, just for two games. They did the sort of treehouse formula. They covered Super Mario Odyssey again, but this one, though, I don't care about personally because I'm not interested, but I understand the significance. Metroid Samus Returns. That game. 
which I, from what I understand, I think it's a remaster, right? It's not a new, it's not like Metroid 4 or Metroid Prime 4. I think it's Metroid Samus Returns is a remake. That part I did not know. I did not hear that at all. Yeah, let me Google my facts on this because I could be talking out my backside. Like, so, I watched the trailer on it on Monster Hunter. Oh, no. Uh, Monster on the Samus Returns, I watched the trailer, and it looks nice, like, it'll be good. Like, the last one was Fusions, I think. Ah, okay, so this this one is, so blah, 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 terminate the Metroid Menace with this masterful reimagining of her 1992 Game Boy Adventure, oh. classic Metroid 2 Return of Samus. So, okay, so it's a reimagining? Interesting. Yeah, apparently this is a complete redo, this is like Shadows of the Colossus style, which okay. is interesting. Like, Metroid's ramping up now, with Metroid, uh, Metroid Prime 4 a yeah. being a thing as well. Nintendo is, with the Switch, if they get this right, Scarf, they could dominate this generation. Yeah. If they could put Monster Hunter World on Switch, if they could put the new Pokemon Core title, and it's knock out of the park good, that, that wild card they have now. Hey, we're doing a Core title on a home console, technically. Plus Pocket Tournament, which is apparently gaining in popularity, plus the Metroid stuff, and Super Mario Odyssey. Like, Nintendo is... All they need to do is stop mucking around with the SNES classics and actually make more of them. I, like, it's, it's a weird thing, is... Nintendo's power is first party. That's always been their power. Because mm. they, have, they, have they have Mario, they have Kirby, they have... They have all these different mascots. Breath of the Wild blew things out of the water right at the start. They, it, it, it was a really good way to start things out was Breath of the Wild. And thankfully it was also on Wii U, so I got to play it. But it blew things up. People have wanted Samus forever. It's been a long time since a new Prime, because like, when Other M happened, it kind of tainted Samus a bit, and we have Samus Returns, so you have another handheld one. I feel like the last one was Fusions, I can't remember now. That was a long time ago. I think that was GBA. And we got Prime. Prime. People really liked Prime. Prime is is first-person platforming ad adventure, Metroidvania. It's all those words. All those things. When Prime happened, people didn't think it was possible. People thought a first-person platformer was a stupid idea. This isn't going to work out, but it's Nintendo. If they want to do it, they're going to do it, and they're going to do their level best at it. And it did very well. It's pretty impressive doing a first-person platformer that works out. This is before Mirror's Edge, of course, stuff like that. And so Prime 4, that means a lot to a lot of people. There are people who wanted a new one, like, they were mad at Other M, and this is going to be a good chance at just, well, it's Prime. So the name alone has a lot of, for God's sakes, E3 was just Metroid Prime 4. And people lost their stuff. People, because... people had a heart attack because of it. Yes. Like, shout out to Rapture on Twitter. He mm -hmm. basically passed out. Just like, I'm done. If anyone <laughs> talks bad of this, I'm blocking you right now. I remember when Wind Waker got shown off. I don't remember which conference it was. And people were crying. Like, the cameras were like, oh my god, these men are crying. Just zoom in, zoom in. They're crying. Holy shit. It's a thing. N Nintendo has the power of nostalgia, and it has these things that hook into people. It's very good. And the argument that people have is like, oh, have fun with that console that has no games. It's like, it's a valid argument. It's a valid argument, but it's always been how Nintendo rules. They don't have a lot of games, yet it builds up over time, and they make a lot of classics. It's what they do. Yeah. 
And they're slow to get off the ball. They can be a bit kooky, but once they're on a roll, yeah. even though it can be for a short time, they will be one of the best in the business. Mm-hmm. It's like the, we'll- the, the joke with the Switch, right? It was the Nintendo. It was the Zelda on a plane machine, right? Yeah, for, for a while. That's what it was, and it'll now have it's. It has Skyrim. It's coming. I don't remember because Skyrim has to be on everything. <laughs> uh, Splatoon two for people who are big fans of Splatoon. There you go. Splatoon's and great. Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Odyssey. It. Playing it at Comic-Con, it was incredible. It was a treat. I enjoyed it so much. I had fun just running around, not even playing, not even Mario doing the Mario committing war crime simulator. Like, the hat <laughs> mechanic is so cool. Taking over <laughs> bullet bills is so weird. Like, that, I did that. How many people, you could, like, how many people did you run into traffic with that? Like, I like, know you could take over people, you could take over taxis, put one into the other. It's a bit weird, like, uh, you have, it, there's only mission-based ones you can go into. You can't go into literally everyone. Because I tried. The moment I got in, like, I'm just assaulting people with my hat. I'm assaulting everything with my hat. Because <laughs> the hat gets around when I'm playing, apparently. I'm hitting everything with the hat. I can, oh, I can link on this. Okay, I can do this. I can do that. You can put the hat on a freaking manhole cover. Squeak off the manhole cover very slowly because you're trying to, you're, you have to vibrate it out. And then jump in for a secret level. Like, it's pretty cool. Isn't, and... like, with, there's, like, infamous style movement where if you want to go up a building, you got to, like, ha- go onto a flagpole and then hop up to the next one, yeah. to the next one, to the next one. Yeah, so you go on a flagpole as the hat and you flick up. So you just mm. flick and Doink. you go up and you're up there and you go further and you can climb buildings and you can, you can control different things. Like, there's a weird Moai you can control, which is so weird in the desert level, the one with the sunglasses. Like, yeah. uh, Saw that in the trailer. Yeah, and what he does is he can see things that are invisible. So you take over the Moai, use the sunglasses, oh, here's some invisible things, and then get out of the thing and run around and grab all those things and get back in the guy. He's like, can you stop taking me over? And just keep looking at things, and it's great. And there's great platforming stuff, just like uh, Galaxy and all the other Mario games. There's really good platforming. And I just, I can't wait. I really can't. And there's just, Metro City has just a bunch of, like, little mini games you can do. There's a jump rope session, just because why not? So you can just play jump rope with these two ladies and just jump, jump, jump. And there's musicians. There's a lot of little tidbits of things going on. And, of course, there's the 2D sections on the walls, which are pretty cool. That is so cool. When yeah. I first saw that, that made me pop. Like, okay, I didn't think of that. That is original. 2D so- in a 3D plane. It's pretty cool, and they did do it before. They did that with, uh, no, they didn't. They went 2D to 2D, but it was uh, with Thousand Year Door. But they did yeah. it differently. You're, you're 2D, and the Paper Mario's too, where you flip. Yeah. They kind of expanded so, on that. It's, um, it's pretty awesome what they've done. They, there's always been imaginativeness to them. I don't remember who the director, uh, not director, like one of the big people in Sony was like, we look at Nintendo to do the innovation, because we need Nintendo to do well. Because then everyone else does well after them. I can't remember which Sony executive said that, but that was a pretty, that's really what it is. Nintendo, if it was not for the Wii, it would not have, like, consoles didn't explode as much as they did because of the Wii. The Wii got everyone talking about games, because it got the old people. And that's a It was really, a unifying really device. Yeah. And we haven't had that for a while. And so Nintendo is capable of that. And the Switch is them trying to do something like that again, go outside and play kind of thing. 
And so... Go to your basketball game and have a pickup <laughs> game as... Oh, God. Apparently someone did actually try and take a Switch to a random basketball game full of people they didn't know and try and get a pickup game of Splatoon going. Someone tried that oh, as, a, as a video. That's funny. And they they have these strong first-party games, and uh, they have a third party, I guess, with Rabid Mario. And it doesn't have a lot of games, but it has really good ones. So we'll see how it goes in the future. Uh... That's really is just see what happens in the future and see who actually wants to use the Switch and what developers actually want to use the Switch and how, how it goes forward. But it has really good games for itself. If you if you can only buy a couple games, Nintendo's up there with the other consoles. Like if you can only buy a few games that you need to last you the whole year, Nintendo's up there. It's weird that Switch doesn't have Monster Hunter World. Hmm. And I don't know why. I, it might be because they're getting double X. I don't know. Like, I'm wondering why they're not in on it, because everyone else is in on it. I f maybe they're trying to, like... Because most of the Nintendo crowd who plays Monster Hunter, they see the double X as a, all right, this is the final hurrah. Let's put it for the Switch. So Nintendo decides, all right, let's just separate the crowds a bit. Let's have this soft reboot go to the consoles and... Is this, isn't Monster Hunter World coming out on PC? Yes, that's that's where I'm playing it. Oh wow, cool. That's... So yeah, it's I might get it on Xbox. That's where my friends are, my IRL friends. But I'm, I'm probably crossplay. Oh god, if they did it crossplay, Monster Hunter crossplay, that would be big. That would be almost as big as Pokemon console crossplay. Like it they be crossplay. Hmm. Um, I I I'm assuming crossplay right now because why wouldn't there be? But yeah, it's Microsoft on PC. and Nintendo. I'd sorry to cut in again, but I just you reminded me there have been some talks between Nintendo and so and Microsoft, sorry Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft about crossplay. Nintendo doesn't care; it'll do crossplay whenever it wants. Microsoft, Sony will do crossplay with PC. They'll do it with Nintendo. They are too good with the whole do it together thing because you know the rivals. They've done it with one or two games, but very rarely. It's like, um, for instance, the original, the Shadowrun reboot was crossplay between Windows Vista, remember that thing, and Xbox 360. Rocket League is crossplay between Xbox and PC, PlayStation 4 and PC, but not Xbox and PS4. Street Fighter has a similar thing as well. Street Fighter hmm. 5. And they have been in recent talks. I saw a Reddit thread, but apparently Sony isn't being too keen on it. Sony doesn't oh. like the idea of sharing their guys across, and they do have a history of that. For instance, with uh, Team Fortress 2. You could make a Steam account to cross-play between PS4 and PC on the orange box, but Xbox didn't get that capability because Sony wanted the exclusivity. So it's a bit dodgy in that regard, but hopefully they get through the cross-play issue. That would be good. Like, my only assumption for Nintendo not doing it is because Nintendo's weird about the internet. The only one I've got, because Splatoon. Splatoon 2, how to do all that is like, just get a Discord. Just oh god, the diagrams for how to set up VoIP in that, that was... No. And, like, that's the complete opposite joke to the to the iPhone. Like, iPhones don't have headphone jacks anymore. Yeah. You gotta have dongles on dongles on dongles. This is the exact problem. You don't support VoIP, so I've gotta have dongles and dongles and dongles. Yeah. It's just, what the hell? And, I don't know. Like, it's that's the only one I've got, is that Nintendo just isn't for... They're just so weird about online stuff. They're just really weird about it. So that's my thing with Nintendo's. Maybe it's that, or I don't know. 
Because it's just weird. Everyone else is on Monster Hunter World radar, but Nintendo, but Switch. But they are getting double X. No one else is. So I don't know. It's just odd. Now, moving on to we've got a couple minutes left. I can see from the little timer. So one quick topic of mine that I'm quite into. So one of the miscellaneous things that happened at Gamescom was PUBG, uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, that giant monolith of a game. Yeah. They had a tournament. ESL ran it. Quite a notable esports producer and tournament runner. And they kind of botched it hard. So the casters for it were ridiculously good. They held that thing together. But ESL at that tournament, I'm going to quote a friend of mine, an associate, M-Target. He did a sort of analytical piece afterwards about the production side of things. ESL played with all the toys and forgot to have the meal first. Oops, it was something like that. Basically, they had 100 players in a game, because that's how PUBG works. So they decided to have 100 computers with 100 feeds. So imagine trying to do a stream where you're having to go between 100 different camera views, plus a observer that goes into the game manually, slash spectate, and uses a third-person camera. But that's not that's not where the biggest problems lie. There were some good big technical issues. The camera work was just ah. Now I'm a bit of a production nerd, but this is where anyone could appreciate. When your commentators are having to yell at the observers live on stream, stop about with the camera and show me the action, quote unquote. <laughs> that is not good. Oh. Like, there was some weird camera stuff. Like, there would be a fight happening in the Blue Dome. Uh, They were, like, like, you know, intense, decent camera angles. Cuts to a person swimming. What? And it's just, like... So, fun little backstory. Me and Scarf originally met during a casting tryout for Smite Scrim. So, Scarf does have a little bit of commentary experience. So, he would understand the idea behind how the commentators lead the camera. But in this tournament, the camera was leading the commentators. So the casters would be at their desk watching a feed of the camera. And the camera was m- going left, right, left, right to all different people. So yeah, the, cam- the, cam- the commentators had to keep jumping between feeds without being able to actually tell the story they want to tell. And it is just, you can't follow it, either as someone who is a veteran of PUBG or new to it like me. It's just horrendous. Like, esports production is way more important now these days. And even, for, you know... Think of Dota Scarf, for instance, you know, the international. That's insane. That's quality production. This is the exact opposite. Similar-ish money spent. It was just horrendous. I'll say that's uh, growing pains for them, then? Um, Well, well, it's a group that's already knows what's doing. ESL. ESL's been around. Yeah, ESL. So what the hell, then, right? Uh, I was going to say, if it's just PUBG trying to do it themselves, but I just remembered you said ESL. So what the hell happened there? The That's that yeah, that that would be infuriating as all hell. It's like we got this gunfight because someone's swimming. What the what's going on here? Get back over there. It's like it's like for us when we're doing smite, we see a big team fight about to happen and it goes to someone just jungling. Like that would be extremely infuriating. It's like, what's the camera doing going over there? Yeah. And the main reason I brought this up on yeah. this particular show was because, yeah, this isn't an esports production show. This is, you know, general games, you know, it's basically a podcast. <laughs> now, esports production is way more important these days for helping new people get into esports scenes, so getting new eyes in. 
And Player Unknown Battlegrounds suffers from the same problem as Overwatch right now. They're newer games with somewhat newer or unknown game styles. I mean, how big was the esports scene for TF2? It wasn't streamed too much. It wasn't massive. Overwatch and PUBG are in the public zeitgeist in a big way. So those those have to be very easy to watch. It's like CSGO. Super easy to watch. Anyone could just turn one of, one of those streams and understand perfectly what's going on. But people because Overwatch is a fuster clock of colors and everyone's going all over the place, it's so hard. I mean, I gave up Overwatch casting because I couldn't keep up. It is so hard to do. I don't have the talent for it. And PUBG requires a different taste because the map is so big. It's a, ba- it's a battle royale game. That stuff has to be easily read and easily watchable for new people to get into it. It's, it's something I do care about quite deeply, but one thing that anyone can get behind is just things just not being watchable. You'll turn off the next Switch channel. Um, thinking about Dota, thinking about Smog, thinking about Overwatch from a cast perspective, and PUBG, and CSGO. Yeah, CSGO's like, they got this weapon, what can they do? Oh, they got shot in the head, they're dead. Okay, so next character, next player. Like, CSGO is interesting because of how fast people can live and die in that. And there's so many rounds of that. But, but what, as a counterpoint to that, it gets... At the beginning of the round, it's very fast, but it's yeah. always clear because of the X-ray system. It's slow-ish compared to, say, like Overwatch. And the more people die, you get a double-fold effect. Not only do things get slower due to less people most of the time, yeah. but it gets more tense, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, who's going to live? Who's going to die? What's going to happen? So it gets yeah. easier to understand. It's easier to watch. But with Overwatch and PUBG... PUBG has a similar thing where the circle gets closer, the more tense it gets. Overwatch, however, things are very fast from point A till end of match. So hopefully they figure that out. That's personally what I'm hoping for. But just to round things off in general, Gamescom was a bit... It was alright. There was some interesting stuff. For the hardcore fans of specific things, there were things to watch. Like, I mean, we broke down Nintendo for almost half an hour. There was so much there to digest. And there was some cool stuff with Blizzard. But, I mean, it's Gamescom. Most of it is just stuff there being demonstrated. There was some more Shadow of War stuff. There was some more Assassin's Creed Origin stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Last second stuff. Uh, Gwent single-player campaign store. I am interested in that. Very curious about that, because Gwent's fun. I'm, like, I'm, I'm burnt out on the multiplayer, so I am interested in seeing how the single-player goes. Yeah, I'm probably not the person to do that. Jag will probably be your best bet, Scarf, because yeah. I... I played Gwent a lot in the Gwent in Witch Three, but I haven't played the standalone. Um, did you see the Shenmue Three trailer? Oh, it took the bad faces from Marvel vs. Captain Infinite. <laughs> it took Chun Li's face and stuck Shenmue on it. Like it did. Uh... So what's weird about Shenmue? Because I played one, never got to play two. Because two was like, no one played two. Nobody, nobody played two. But Played one. Now, when one came out, now of course the graphics were what they were back then, he looks like they haven't progressed much in the graphics on his face at all between one and three, which is weird. But when one came out, they made this huge, gigantic deal about the faces of their characters, how the detail and everything in Shenmue 1. They made this huge deal about it. 
Like, there was an extra disc with just interviews of the characters, which is zoomed in on their face, so you can see all the details. Just like a tech face. demo, basically, at that point? Yeah, it's basi- it was basically David Cage's uh, old man with pretty eyes. That's what it was. It was this, <laughs> but Dreamcast graphics. And it's a weird thing how our eyes and our mind adjust to graphics. That's just a whole conversation, and how it used to look so amazing to us, and now it looks like crap. But back in the day, this was a big deal they were making on Dreamcast was, look at the faces, look how great the detail is. And it really wasn't when you look at the screenshots now. And just seeing Shenmue 3, where we're at the technology where faces can look amazing, and he looks like a goddamn action figure. So weird. And the trailer itself was weird. The trailer was kind of a silly trailer as well. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's happening, but that thing got so much much money behind it. I'm wondering what's going to happen with that, but it's so weird looking seeing that trailer. If that game chokes and the Final Fantasy VII remake isn't great, there may be a mass exodus from video games as we know it. Like <laughs> the holy, the holy trifecta of games was announced: The Last Guardian, Shenmue Three, Final Fantasy VII remake. Last Guardian was good, but it didn't blow up the world as people thought. Final Fantasy VII remake, it's coming. We'll see how it is. But it's sure, episodic. It's sure, it's coming. Shenmue 3, looking dicey. And like, it's crowdfunded. Yeah. Like, for uh, Final Fantasy 7, and just talking about Kingdom Hearts 3, we finally have a date on 3, I believe. It's oh, been so long, please. I don't care anymore. I, I, I need a mainline just... entry. I don't care about the mobile ones. Just give me a exactly. mainline entry. Like, it was Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, and then Kingdom Hearts 2, because that's all Sora. I didn't give a f- about anything I else. I haven't even played Birth by Sleep. I've just played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 on the PlayStation 2. Yeah. That's it. Like, Birth by Sleep is the link between 1 and 2. Why is Sora asleep? That's really what that game is. Like, it's, okay. the, an adventure happens, and now you know why he's in cryostasis. And, and then you have all these other games just building the world around Kingdom Hearts and everything. And I don't give anything i don't care i just don't care i want sora back why is it taking 10 years let me write a trade in toy story yes and like i'm happy it's coming but i also just don't care anymore i'm burnt out on waiting i just don't care you know i had a conspiracy theory about kingdom hearts for the longest time that it was deliberately delayed to get some of the new ips disney has acquired in marvel uh, re- get the toy story properly in I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. I think that's really might, what might have happened as well. Is like, crap, we have a new IP to bring in. We have to bring in Frozen now. We have to bring, we have to bring in Tangled. Did I believe that's possible, but I don't know if that's true. There might have been a delay as well. I wonder how much Aladdin we'll see, because the genie is a fairly iconic character, and I don't know if he was voiced by Robin Williams in the English dubs. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch. I will assume no, because I know Mushu was not Eddie Murphy. So... Okay. I I don't think Genie was Robin Williams. The dubbing was weird anyway, because you had Justin Timberlake as goddamn Sephiroth after all. Mmm, that was like, weird. It's it, it was fine with Haley Jawsman as Sora. He did a good job, I felt. Like the main cast was fine. Justin Timberlake as Sephiroth is weird. But you had a lot of sound alikes in Kingdom Hearts, that's for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised if three just has a lot of sound alikes. I am curious who the hell's gonna be Sora now. Because it's been 10 years, so you're not going to bring Osmond back. You're going to have to get someone else, because he's still a kid. He's an older teenager. Yeah. So at Maybe. this point, he's 
the balls have dropped by this point. So, um, you could give him an adult voice. It could be fine. Are they going to bring back the actors for Toy Story? For Woody and uh, Buzz Lightyear and whatnot? I... That's that's too expensive. Tom Hanks is worth way too much money to bring him in. They might. I there's a thing. But Kingdom Hearts I, three may make enough money to justify it. They spent so much time on this thing. My thing with with Tom Hanks is he's worth a lot of money, and Tim and Tim Allen has fallen. His star has fallen, so he might be easier to get Tim Allen than Tom Hanks. Uh, they could get him. If they got him a recording session for t- for Toy Story four. I I saw the trailer. I don't remember if if Woody talked. I would assume Woody talked. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, or were there no talking? I don't remember anymore. If we hear Tom Hanks talking, then well, there you go. I just don't remember. I know when they did Mulan, it it it, it was Mulan as far as I could tell, unless it was a really good voice like. Well, for Kingdom Hearts two, the voice actress for Mulan, but um. I don't know. It's it's a question of will they get them because uh, y- if you could, you'd want to get the iconic voices for the different characters. You want to get Tom Hanks, you want to get Tim Allen, you want to get... They did not get Eddie Murphy from Mushu, but you kind of want to have Eddie Murphy from Mushu. You want to have... Well, you can't have Robin Williams as a genie anymore. You gotta get Will Smith now, I guess. Um, it It'll be interesting. But there was the theory that the game kept getting hauled back for these new IPs. But it's basically, save that for Kingdom Hearts 4, then. Like, Is there going to be a game... Kingdom Hearts? I want Darth Vader versus Sephiroth, damn it. Oh my god. Backstabs I... versus backstab, let's go. I want Darth Vader and Sephiroth teamed up together, murdering way too much fodder. That's what I want. <laughs> it turns into the hallway scene from Force, from, it, sorry, that's exactly what Force I Awakens. Want. Yeah, the it's hallway just... scene is like, oh, 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 jeez, oh, um, that would be interesting to see. Like, King- this is why Kingdom Hearts is such a thing, is because it's the characters are cool, but it's also just action figures getting slammed against each other. You've got what? What's a gummy ship gonna do versus a star destroyer? <laughs> it's gonna that will it's... make gummy ship sections entertaining. If I can trench run the gummy oh destroyer, I will play those sections every time. Yes, you-, you want the Death Star to be in the game, and what's gonna happen is you're just gonna fit the gummy ship in the vent because why not? <laughs> just- it. Just disassemble it slightly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, get the gummy ship in there. He's like, for this mission, you must have a small ship. Why? Why must I have a... Oh. Oh, that's why. We're going in the vent, guys. Yeah. Oh my god, but yeah, Kingdom Hearts. FF7, it, I'm also over it. I'm like, I don't care. Like, nostalgia's where it is. FF7 is in the past. Whatever this thing is, is not going to be FF7. It's going to be going to be whatever the hell it is. I don't care. Um, people care. You're making a mistake by caring, is what I feel, because you're going to hate it. Because there's no way to do the old one justice. It's just going to be a new retelling of the old of what 7 was. And just it's not going to be a traditional RPG. It's going to be an action RPG. It's going to be episodic. There's so many things about it that are so different from what the original is. I don't... I don't know. I don't... I'm not having any hype for it, because I don't think... I should, but it's coming, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, when it comes. Be that. Anything else? No more single player content for Andromeda. Andromeda. Oh and... yeah. There was some very deliberate. I imagine the team for that is 
gutted because there was a very specific bait at the end of that game. Have you played Andromeda? I did not play Andromeda. I know you did, though, so... Yeah, I played... I'm big at Mass Effect. Do you care about spoilers? I, maybe, Personally? Pe- maybe people care about it. You could just say there's right, a big I, Yeah, I was going to say, all right, so, spoiler hand, for the ending <laughs> of Andromeda, I'm going to... Let's let, let's let that be the end. Let's let that be after credits, okay. then. Okay. Really quick, we'll have that be the last thing, then. So, before that, uh, the Vive is $200 cheaper, so if you're into VR, there you go. I still don't care. Um, we have a few partners with AAA. I don't know how I think about that. I haven't seen the Jim Sterling thing on it, because I think he's done the best dive on it, I would assume. Yeah, I've I've seen it. TLDR, it's gone all AAA. It's got, like, a, a collector's edition without the game. It's got a season pass. It's $60 now instead of 30 Not great. Brink goes F2P, who still plays Brink. I do! Objection! Brink's great! I love Brink! My problem with Brink was the servers. They They were really bad servers. Um, it doesn't help on PC, the multiplayer 60 FPS, or unlocked. The, the single player, there was 30 FPS locked for some reason. Okay. Okay. SNS Classic, it's what it is. Don't Nod. So here's the curious thing. Don't Nod is the makers of Life is Strange. They're not doing Before the, so- the Storm. Okay. They're making some new Bandai IP. And that's all we know. And I am clueless on that. Uh, but they're making something. Since Life is Strange was so good, there you go. Shout out to me, Mom. She appeared in frame for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she'll get cut out in post. No worries. Jinx would just immediately expand, zoom in, but no. Uh, yeah. That that stuff, I mean, cool. Fine, I'm not too particularly into it, so it's alright. Okay, here's my thing. Okay. Did I poo-poo too much on FF7? Because it looked like you cared. I mean, FF7, I never played it. I cared about it mainly because people wanted a remake so bad it kind of i took i absorbed it by osmosis the care for the remake so it's like i haven't played it but i care about it because of the significance to other people okay i I empathetically care about it like for me things just should be in the past because they're they're they were great for their time and just trying to do it again you're trying to hit lightning twice Mm. and how often does that work out they tried to hit lightning three times with ff13 for god's sakes but (laughs) um (laughs) i damn it i knew something like that was coming and i was hoping you wouldn't do it i i like nintendo let's just go back nintendo mario mario does platforming but he does it different every time and it's not him doing the same world again he's doing a new thing and he's like in this one it's mario's dealing with a wedding happening and the world's so different from what it was in Galaxy, so different from what it was in Mario 3D. It's just a different way of doing platforming. But it's a different thing. FF7 is retreading, is retreading on the same water. Not and... necessarily FF7 Remake. Apparently, not only are they doing it episodically, but they're changing up some of the gameplay things and adding some stuff in. Yeah. Apparently. And what that's going to do is the diehard nostalgia people are going to hate that. And the new people are like, well, there's all these things, but they don't know. They may not know what are the things that people liked about the old seven. So it's like it's just a new game, kind of, but not really. And so I just it should it should be where it is. I don't. If you're doing a remaster, then you just remaster the damn thing. But since they're doing this weird, all these deviations from it, I don't care. I don't. I don't understand. I. 
part of it is hype is such a thing that's hard to, to grasp anymore. Yeah. Because we've had so many overhypes and things just not succeeding. It's like it's- Last Guardian was a perfect example. Oh. Hyped forever. Shown. Shown some more. It came out. It was great. No one else really cares about it anymore. It wasn't world shattering. It was only people who cared and they weren't that many. And there you go. Like you have Duke Nukem, who's never been that amazing, honestly. That's a different story though. Duke Nukem was, was mismanaged in, to hell. It was in it was in development hell for ten ish years and it finally comes out. It wasn't that great. But there was nostalgia attached to Duke Nukem. He's never been amazing though. I'd never he's always been this kind of like a cornball funny thing. Nostalgia is weird. Nostalgia is weird. Nintendo does nostalgia very well. Other people do nostalgia as well, and it has mixed. It's been a mixed bag. But <laughs> scarf, we've gone twenty minutes over. Yeah, we've, we've to... gone twenty minutes. Let's stop. <laughs> All right, let's stop. Last thing. Okay, last thing. The spoiler hand. So if okay. you if you don't want massive spoilers, leave now. So no, no, no. Let's do the outro, and then you can do it. You sure. All right. Okay. Yeah. So because it's a spoiler territory, we'll 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 have that be like if you're past this point. All bets are off. All right. So this has been basically a podcast. Uh, Stay a couple extra minutes if you want to hear that part. Um, I am stalling this as long as I can. So if you're listening to this, run your ass to wherever the hell this thing is and pause it or stop it. Uh, This has been basically a podcast. Me and Verbalocity talking. Next one, I unless something goes wrong, should be a developer. So I'm really hyped for the next episode. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I'm pretty hyped for it. Uh, uh, a developer would be great because once that door opens, there's a chance for more. And so I'm really hype about that. And look forward to that one. And, and of course, always give feedback and everything uh, on this one and previous ones because we want to do this better every time. And Verbalocity is awesome. You can find him by Verbalocity everywhere. Uniform Twitter, branding. Yes. Lucky. Uh, on Twitter, on on Twitch. Oh, you don't have a YouTube, do you? Like, it's just Twitter. I, Twitch, I do. Right? It's just uh, I have a YouTube technically, but I'm not like a YouTuber. I just okay. post both that as and when I need to. Okay, so it, also Verbalocity, I would assume then, right? Yes. Uh, okay. te- the URL is technically the Verbalocity because regular Verbalocity was taken, I think, but it's just Verb on channel. You just look okay. up Verbalocity. Yeah. So this has been the podcast. I had fun talking about from watching, listening. That's what's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks. Come by and see you next time. Bye! Again. <laughs> okay, so spoiler, what is it? Alright, so there's a very obvious thing right at the end of the game, where a trend- uh, so, the idea of Mass Effect is you go to the other galaxy, it's- the primary races that go from the Milky Way are humans, Salarians, Turians, Krogan, Asari. Okay. Those, those, are, the, those are the primary ones. Asari are the blue chicks, right? Blue chicks, yeah. Yeah, And a lot of the other races, well, the the primary races who came in on their own arcs, their own ships, the other races got bundled onto one mega arc, and they didn't make it in time. And uh, right at the end of the game, past the the epilogue, you see basically a, uh, a transmission that comes in that very obviously hints that, hey, the quarian's been found, the mask people... Yeah. They're on the way, and that's obviously bait for a DLC, and now that's not going to be a thing, because the Mass Effect DLC's dead in the water. And that's the, huge! The Quarians are the ones who will die if they're not wearing their suit, right? Is that the yeah, Quarians? They are, yeah, their immune system is botched completely. Yeah, they live on flotillas, that's how they work. Yes. So okay. that is, that's huge for the, that's like, oh, by the way, 
the uh, the Ashes DLC from the third game, the one with the Prothean. Uh, we're not going to have that in the game now. Bye. So Ooh. that is just not good at all. So yeah, that was that spoiler. Yeah, and Bye. people are, are are mad and saying like it's because they're putting on development anthem. And who knows? Who knows? It's a big studio. But all right, so yeah, everybody. Yeah. Bye. That sucks though. <laughs>